Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Hey, listener, Zach Harper here, Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y 467369. 
Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know that I love Amin's tone right now. It sounds sinister. Sinister? Yeah. Sinister? Is there anyone more sinister than the man who picked this movie? Yes, you. How? Are you kidding me? Did you not listen to the latest cinephobe? I'm not finished. I'm not oh, done with okay. it yet. Gotcha. I'm like halfway. So he still doesn't know what happened, Zach? No. <laughs> he doesn't remember what, what happened on the pod. It could turn in the second half. That's true, yeah. It could. I'm sitting at a dining room table. I'm always on, on my couch, but I decided to switch it up a little bit. Will we get a better performance? Probably not. Because I'm always, every time I get up after the pod, I'm like, man, my hips are tight. So now I'm, I'm at a better angle. What? Hips don't You sound terrible right now. Like the, the mic or I sound Yeah, terrible? no, the mic. Oh, you know what? I, I, I turned off the, oh, you know what it is now. How about now? There oh, is. there we go. Did you plug it in? Fucking, you know, it's not that. It's because Skype just randomly decides when it's like, I'm going to go with the built-in microphone now. <laughs> Skype, your stereotypical white voice? It's sure black. Jeff Skype. Jeff Skype. He's always changing your settings. I think that this will be a much more enjoyable experience. That makes me uncomfortable. That feels racist. You think Skype's a black guy? Is that what you think? No, I just, no your voice just feels hey, racist. Hey, man. <laughs> wow, I don't like that. That's how that's how Zach Skype talks. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> try this microphone. Phone's ringing, dude. Yeah. Hey man, answer real quick before we start. How about shout out to Roy Bellamy, Levitard Show. Yo, asked him on the Twitch last night. This guy is an encyclopedia. That mother. I just asked him last night, just randomly. Hey, have you heard of Johnny Be Good? And instantly, he's like, oh, yeah, with Uma Thurman. Like, he knows every movie. I never heard of this. I didn't know it existed. We're both older than Roy, right? No, I think Roy is your age. Zach. He's my age? Or, okay. Or or you might be a little bit older than him. I'll be 39 in January. Yeah, I think Roy's like 36 or 37. Yeah, and like he's that. just by, just encyclopedia, man. I mean, without missing a beat. Like, yeah, Uma Thurman. It's not like that thing where so, you can tell someone's looking something up. It's not even... 
oh yeah, Johnny Be Good. Oh, it's that movie. It's kind of you know like where he has to search deep into the. Yeah, he's not buying himself time. He's not searching deep throughout the catalogs of his brain. Where it's familiar, but I'm just trying to remember where it came from. Right. Like me trying to remember Jeff Bridges' name last episode. <laughs> like, he's got none of that. It's like instant. Yeah, with Uma Thurman. And they're like, it was her first movie. First and she movie. was on screen for like yeah. 10 minutes. And he says, yeah, that's how I remembered it. It's her first movie. I'm like, geez, man. I didn't, I didn't know she was in this movie until I looked up the cast. You know, this is Uma Thurman. Usually it's like before she discovered XYZ, but apparently she came in the game discovering that bangs will hide her forehead wow. and then forgot it at some point in her career. Wow. Just forgot about that and went full forehead for the rest of time. Maybe because it wasn't the 80s anymore? I mean... I don't feel like you're an expert on white hair. I'm an expert on foreheads. Her forehead is humongous. Your picks have been horrible, man. It's the point. It's the point of the show. Isn't, Isn't it? it? Isn't it? it? It's Isn't possible... It? I don't understand what this podcast is about. Poppycock. The fuck house. On a weekly basis, we are consuming more concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? What story? (laughs) What are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. (laughs) Just remember that. You know what the problem of Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. So I was legitimately offended. You were I offended? Was a, I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. They're fucking making shit up, I mean! Inconsequential detail after inconsequential yeah. detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm there holding a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah, all over. Okay. Cinephobe, the podcast we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper, that's Amin Al-Hassan, that's Anthony Mays, and if you have a submission, reminder, it needs to be 40% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes for audience score or critic score. I really want to start adding to it. If you have a submission, submit it. From when Amin tried to do the intro. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> this week on Cinephobe, we watched the 1988 sports comedy, Johnny Be Good. Is that what it is? That's what it says it is. Is it a comedy? It's weird. I guess. I guess it was supposed to be funny. It's a deep satire. The other funny thing, by the way, just real quick, about listening to an episode right before we record an episode, is I believe we're about to enter a zone where we're going to start making callbacks from episodes three episodes ago. Because in our minds, it's fresh. Right. But in the minds of the listener... They're like, R.I.P.D., that was damn near a month ago. I mean, this is what the timing's been on pretty much all of them. Maze, what's happening here? Isn't this what it's been? Amin is just... <laughs> he's just he's now figuring out what the listening experience is. He's on a delay. He's on a one-week delay. He's realizing it just now. <laughs> this, is, this is what we've been doing. This is what we do. <laughs> Fucking like eight months. This is what it's been. This is it. 
isn't it? Johnny B. Good stars Anthony Michael Hall and Robert Downey Jr., a young RDJ. Oh, oh man. man. RDJ, baby. So much trivia, by the way, guys. Oh. So much trivia. Oh, my God. AMH was a star at the time. He was two years removed from his run on Saturday Night Live. He was three years after Weird Science and Breakfast Club. Anthony Michael Hall was on Saturday Night Live? So was Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. was on Saturday Night Live? Yes. Anthony Michael Hall, they wanted him so bad, he said, you got to bring my boy RDJ. No. Yeah, man. They're in the offices trying to get bunk beds with NFL sheets. I mean. Oh, my God. It's like two years or something like that. Yeah. They're like 20 years old. This is really going to make this episode very fun and interesting because I thought I had the trivia. Oh, I got the trivia. I mean, don't worry. I think I got one. You might have it, but I think this one might be. One of the greatest trivia pieces of all time. Anthony Michael Hall, four years after 16 Candles, Edward Scissorhands was going to come out two years later. So wait, time out. So basically you're telling me (laughs) that there was a point in history where Anthony Michael Hall was this magnificent supernova of a star Mm -hmm. and Robert Downey Jr. was just his loser friend that he was getting free looks. I wouldn't say loser friend, but... Definitely not as much clout. Yeah. He was definitely dragging RDJ into parties. Not only parties. His dad was established like in the business, but like I'm talking like in terms of stardom. This isn't Jason Bateman. My dad got me this movie role. This is my homie got me. This. My dad works in the industry and he still couldn't get me a movie role. My homie had to do it for me. Yeah. And then what do I do? I've become one of the biggest grossing movie stars of all time. And meanwhile, Anthony Michael Hall just ages horribly. Oh, man. But he's good. He's good in what he does now, right? Is he? Isn't he? There it is. We finally got it, ladies and gentlemen. Only took 55, 56 episodes, whatever it's been. (laughs) For Robert Downey Jr., he was also in Weird Science three years earlier. He was in Back to School in 1986, and The Pickup Artist in 1987, Air America, was coming out two years later. And Less Than Zero was right around this time also. Oh, that's right. Yeah, good call. I need to see The Pickup Artist now. I'm interested. Do you need to see it? 80s RDJ is an interesting character. 80s, early 90s RDJ. I think I might have to do the whole catalog. Especially after this performance, because there was something going on. Paul Gleason is in this movie. You know him as the principal from Breakfast Club. Uma Thurman is in it, her first role. Also had Dangerous Liaisons in 1988. Steve James, who uh, Amin thinks is the star of American Ninja. The star of American Ninja. American Ninja 2, Confrontation, had come out a year earlier. That's how I refer to him the whole time. And then American Ninja does this. The whole time. He's in like three scenes. Seymour Cassell, who was in pretty much everything, in almost every movie ever, uh, including Dick Tracy. And he was a character named Dick Silvers oh. in Matlock in 1988. A lot of Dick. He's my favorite in Rushmore. He's so great in that as Max Fisher's dad. Oh, he's great in Rushmore, yeah. We also get Jennifer Tilly from Liar Liar. Bride of Chucky and Bound. Shout out to Jennifer Tilly. Uh-oh. I'm just saying because knowing now that she played a grown woman in a movie that far back really makes me respect the hell out of, you know, her work. All right. We also get Howard Cowsell, Jim McMahon, and Robert Downey Sr. And Marshall Bell, who plays the chief. He's the general in Starship Troopers, and he is Quado's host in Total Recall. Johnny B. Good was directed by Bud S. Smith. This is the only movie Bud has ever directed. One and done. 
one. Got it right the first time. He does have credits for editorial department on The Exorcist and G-Force. In Flashdance, Karate Kid, Some Kind of Wonderful, The Replacements. He's an editor for Karate Kid for Poltergeist 2. That's quite the resume. And Cruising, which I also need to see, and To Live and Die in L.A., which are both William Friedkin joints. Yep. A lot of people in this movie were in To Live and Die in L.A. It's the Friedkin weekend, as they might say. Oh, I was trying to think of the way to fit that in. But then I wondered if it was too problematic. We got a lot of problematic stuff ahead of us. So I think you probably could have gotten away with that. Yeah, this yeah, this is going to be the least. This one, I'm going to be top 10 in this one. This movie was written by Steve Zacharias, Jeff Bouhey, and David Opes. Steve is known for writing two episodes of All in the Family, three episodes of Happy Days, Revenge of the Nerds, In the Army Now, and Future Cinephobe, Eddie. Oh, I also have Future Cinephobe, Eddie, in the notes. There's your problematic, by the way. All in the Family and Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is his writing partner, was a part of those projects as well. David wrote uh, with Steve on a movie called Whoopie Boys. So. And he was a producer on Revenge of the Nerds. The poster for the Whoopie Boys has appeared in a previous Cinephobe film. Can you guess which one? I mean. Teen Witch. Hot Rod. Oh, close. Close? Was it? Isn't it? Is it? <laughs> Synopsis for Johnny B. Good. Johnny's the top high school football player, and many colleges want him. His girlfriend, coach, and best friend want him in the college, serving themselves most. His girlfriend literally never, ever asks him to do anything. Yeah, it's more of like a, I thought we were doing this, right? Like they've discussed it already, but not like a, will you do this for me? She never says... You're going to Big State or whatever the name of the school is. No, just State. <laughs> Thank you for doing that already because this is just He Got Game. It is. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Spike Lee stole it. He stole the whole thing. Tagline, every college in the country wants Johnny because when he's good, he's very, very good. And when he's bad, he's better. One might say that Johnny be good. He said it. He said it. <laughs> $22 million estimated budget. On what? Where did $22 million go in this movie? On the little guy with the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Don't spoil... <laughs> I hate when you guys spoil this shit. Oh, my God. Have some patience. Okay, 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 okay. Grossed $17.5 million U.S. and worldwide. Almost there. Before we jump into the rest of this movie, Johnny B. Good is apparently a rental. Because Anthony Mays continues to be a terrorist. The rental wars continue. Begun the rental wars. Have. No, also, not only a rental, but a rental that you can't even rent anywhere. No, it's only it's only on iTunes, right? This movie was on Amazon, I believe, until October. So, we blew it. The rental wars of 2020 wage on. Rotten Tomatoes score for Johnny B. Good. 0% from the critics on 15 reviews. 30% from the audience on over 7,400 ratings. I needed another 0%. Ballistic X versus Sever just went so well. You know how hard it is to have a, a gap of 30 points between the audience and the critics and still be very solidly a cinephobe relevant movie. That's tough. You've picked all the zero percenters, Maze? He sure has. No, Amin has two. Wait, what do I have? You have zero zero percenters, Zach. Well, because I pick quality. Amin has Gotti and Problem Child. Gotti was, okay, okay. I, I took Gotti. In the spirit of collaboration, mm. because I think Zach really wanted to watch it. So I said, all right, let's do it. Really wanted to watch it. I've seen it. Why are you trying to, like, explain yourself? 
What's the point? Yeah, well, you just made up a narrative. I've seen the movie. I'd already done a podcast about the movie with Dave Schilling, I think. Listeners will know. What? What does that mean? <laughs> Listen, listeners will know. Listen, the listeners are a lot better than we are at remembering things that have happened on the pod. Shout out to the listener who tweeted. I can't remember your Twitter name. I apologize. But shout out to the guy who said, I love this podcast so much that in the seven days between episodes, I actually go back and re-listen to old episodes. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's what's up right there. Positive or negative reviews, I mean. I'm a glass half full kind of guy, Zach. So give me the positives. Well, everybody's just thinking about the negative. Well, I think the glass is half full. Everybody thinks it's half empty. User. Brian T, five <laughs> out of five stars. I don't know why it's done so poorly. It's an 80s movie. Relax and don't read too far into it. The film does create a what is going to happen next feeling throughout. And Paul Gleason shines as the coach, a classic character, like the drill sergeant in full metal jacket. If I wanted shit out of you, Leo, I would squeeze your head. Look, the guy makes some solid points. What? It is a very 80s movie. And you shouldn't read too much into it. It's trying to give a message about college recruitment. Is it? Isn't it? Was that message not delivered? (laughs) All right. User John M, four out of five stars. I remember loving this movie as a kid. Being a fan of Anthony Michael Hall, it was great to see him break out of the nerd roles. I remember being surprised at how much he had changed physically since the last movie he was in before this weird science. Probably doesn't hold up now, but I won't watch it again to keep my fond memories of it. Oh, wow. A time capsule review. Hold on. <laughs> Shout out to the Anthony Michael Hive. Amin could not pick the microphone back up fast enough there. You could hear that. One of my favorite movies growing up was Transformers the movie. I used to think this was the peak of cinematic excellence. And then I rewatched it like maybe... It's probably like seven years ago now. And I was just like, what the fuck was I thinking? It's terrible. But I never thought to give it a review, like to actually write out the review without rewatching. It really makes you reevaluate your ever-evolving tastes. <laughs> Have they evolved? Probably not, judging by the movies that you picked. User John L, three and a half out of five stars. 80s humor. Humor is no R. 80s humor. <laughs> but there are a lot of classic lines. Not the greatest acting, but it's still entertaining. I can understand people hating the movie, but I enjoyed it. That's very fair. User Chip T, four out of five stars. Stupid movie, yet still somehow feel good, entertaining, and rewatchable. Rewatch. Yeah, I would watch it again. This one I put as a positive. User Drew F, even though it's only two out of five stars. Just a great, bad 80s movie. And then two more. User Nick S, two and a half out of five stars. The cast contains famous characters of today in their youth and has a moral somewhere in its story. Somewhere. This is the wildest review I've ever read. User Corey L, four out of five stars. Heath Ledger's Joker looks like he watched Robert Downey Jr. in this movie for his inspiration. 1,000%. What? (laughs) 1,000%. No. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. A hundred times yes. All right. For the negative reviews. At this point of time, my thought on critics not liking stuff is, then turn it off, you fucking weirdo. You have so many options. People who watch an entire project to hate on it, man, it is so weird to me. Michael Wilmington of LA Times, Johnny B. Good, a would-be satire on the excesses 
of big-time college football recruiting is so bad that the NCAA might consider using it as punishment for coaches who violate regulations. All right, I got more on Michael Wilmington later, by the way. Oh! I love when when the reviewers become characters of themselves. Yes. Dave Kerr of Chicago Tribune. Buried somewhere in the screenplay are some Robert Altman-esque satirical intentions in which the wildly corrupt college football recruitment process is offered as a panoramic image of frenzied American venality. You know we're in a panoramic right now. No, it's pandemic, I mean. Yeah, I take it you haven't seen that video. Never mind then. Sorry, I don't spend all day on Instagram, I mean. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? (laughs) Guillermo Alteras of El Pez in Spain. An insufferable comedy. He doesn't get it. They don't have college athletics there. Robert Sellers of Radio Time. Wait, do they not have any college? I know they have like clubs and stuff, but they don't have any college athletics? No, because if you're good in Europe, I guess you're you in the get clubs, signed yeah. and become a pro, yeah. Robert Sellers of Radio Times. Disappointing directorial debut for Flashdance editor Bud Smith, who's guilty of treating the ethics of signing gifted high school athletes as if it were merely another installment of Porky's. Yeah, Bud, you dickhead. TV Guide. Johnny B. Worthless. Uh. Nice. Walter Cha. <laughs> Walter Cha of Film Freak Central reflects the mentality of great swaths of artless, ignorant slobs. That guy's a nerd. Did he get his revenge? Ryan Cracknell of Apollo Guide. It's not funny. It tells a surface story and nothing more, and there's no sense of effort to correct any of these deficiencies. Fair. And then two more. Roger Ebert of Chicago Sun Times. Oh legend the people who made this movie should be ashamed of themselves oh no come on not the shame card hal hinson of washington post if chuck berry were dead he'd be spinning in his grave (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) all right amin what's your first note some great magnificent 80s hair in this opening shot also no black people ah you don't think ashcroft high school was integrated well later on there's some Dead giveaways that it definitely does not exist in a place that's very diverse. We open up on the coach of a high school football team giving the team prayer before the game. They want to win their second straight championship of, of the state. They want no serious injuries. They know in their hearts they're the best team, and they want God to allow them to win this game. The Lord wants you to put your foot on their balls and believe in it because that's what wins football games. Not jumping outside. It's like a bunch of wimps and faggots. Well, I'm glad May said it because I really didn't want to. <laughs> Is that the quickest? Yes, it is. That's got to be the quickest, right? In the history of Cinephobe? I mean, Jesus. Absolutely. I wrote, also, that's the principal from The Breakfast Club. Then I wrote, also, whoa, problematic. Every girl you ever had a heart on for is going to be out there today, but you will not be going to no sock hop tonight, boys. You will not get no honey on your stinger tonight. We see Anthony Michael Hall listening intently. Robert Downey Jr. kind of looks fat. No. He also looks like he's shitting his pants. Yes. Coach says he wants them to taste it. He wants them to smell it. And then Robert Downey Jr. starts smelling the air in a mocking fashion. Yes, he does. Is it mocking? I thought he was really into it. Is it mocking or is he is he acting his fucking ass off? Well, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I got a note here. It says Robert Downey Jr. acting his ass off. <laughs> there's winners and there's nothing else. I don't give a shit what those pinkos over in Russia say. You want to be a loser? You go live in Russia. I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. I'm I'm an American. American. Who wants to be John Wayne? Who wants to go out there and grab a root and hang on? 
famous last words. Want to be losers? Go live in Russia. Uh, they definitely got the last laugh on that one. Uh, slow burn there. Who wants to get a mean on? Get a mean on, son. Let me see you get a mean on, son. Now, who wants it? I want to know. Who yeah. wants this? Who wants to get a mean on right now? I... Who wants it? I want it. I want Is that like supposed to be a hard on? Yes. <laughs> but what does that mean? An angry boner. Get an angry boner? Those are the hardest to get rid of. I wrote the note, I want to get a mean on, but I wrote, spelled it my name. A mean on. Oh, my God. Get a mean on. Yeah. <laughs> get a mean off of this podcast. RDJ wants it. Anthony Michael Hall wants it. And the coach shatters a water gallon jug on the water cooler. Did those things used to be glass? Yeah. I've only ever known them to be plastic. I guess it would make sense that at some point they were glass, but that was wild to me. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it was definitely not in the 80s. It wasn't glass in the 80s. Right. But also, why'd you break it? Why'd you punch it? It's a great question. He's got a mean on. Uh, we have a mean on. We've got a kick return for a touchdown and the Johnny B. Good credits, including and introducing Uma Thurman. Johnny is running like he's in pain, and he's the quarterback and the kick returner. Yeah, uh, and the punter. And the punter, yeah. They block a punt. They're fired up. RDJ asked the coach to get in the game. Coach says he doesn't want to play. He shoved the shit out of him. He said, you want to play? No, you don't. And then shoved the shit out of him. And my note was, ha, 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 file. Oh, wow. 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 Is that the earliest file we've had? No, no. We've had, you've, you've hit file. No, you've filed movies or phobed them before we even watched them. Zach. That's true. Yeah. RDJ's name is Gash. Gash, yeah, that's problematic, right? They didn't use it as much as they started calling him Leo later on, but yeah, on the field, I guess. Anthony Michael Hall throws his state record 40th touchdown pass of the season. Leo is mimicking the coach on the sidelines. He's told to give the punt sign. He does some weird shit. I don't know what he does. Coach smacks him. Johnny punts the ball, and scouts are timing the hang time. I cannot imagine that anybody gives a fuck if a quarterback can punt a football. Five-second hang time. I love the idea of Trevor Lawrence, like, throwing touchdowns all over the field in high school, and, like, the scouts are all there. like, yes, but what was his hang time on his punt? We get uh, Wallace Gibson, who's played by Seymour Cassell, walking into the stadium, and then a random middle-aged man in a trench coat at a high school football game Talks into a recorder that says Gibson is walking into the stadium at 135. In the beginning, I didn't know what was happening, so I just kind of ignored that guy. You didn't think that was going to be? But then he comes back big time in like a minute. It's 52 nothing. The coach is screaming that he calls the plays and he wants another score. Johnny wants Gash in the game, tells the team to lose five yards. So he falls down as he drops back. He screams that he thinks he broke his dick. I think I broke my dick. And a cheerleader says, oh no, not as George, in the worst ADR of all time. This movie has the worst ADR of any of the movies we've done. What's Walker doing? Oh, they got broke my dick. Oh, oh no, not as George. He's not walking down. Gas, gas, give me gas. Where's gas? Get in the game, gas. Put it in the end zone. First time. What's the matter? Sir? I broke my dick, coach. Well, I rub some dirt on it and get back in there. It's broken. They pan to the crowd that has a bunch of scouts and other guys, you know, recruiters. And American Ninja is sitting in the crowd. And I'm like, oh, American Ninja is the coach. They're winning the state championship 52 to nothing. They're playing it at home. 
And this is the only football game that we see in this movie. I love that they didn't show us a bunch of football. I hate these sports movies. Well, they only have this one game with Anthony Michael Hall because he is not athletic. Gash is terrible. Walker asks the cheerleader to take her panties off and stand over there. She says anything for him. The cheerleader named Juicy. Shout out to Juicy. Trenchcoat guy then says, 235, cheerleader taking her yellow panties off. Thank you. Over and out. <laughs> what? We should say that this is Robert Downey Sr. And that's the part where I got super uncomfortable. You got uncomfortable? <laughs> not that he took a note. You that the, got uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, not that he took a note. You! Amin on El Hassan. I didn't know you could get uncomfortable. <laughs> I was uncomfortable. But it's not that he took a note that she took off her panties. It's that he said, cheerleader taking her yellow panties off. They're like, why are you specifying the color of the panties? Mm -hmm. And then he followed it up with, thank you, Mm -hmm. you fucking perv. Thank you. One of the players tells the huddle. Gash calls a play. He tells the other team that girl isn't wearing any underwear. They're distracted, get bulldozed. The other team, who all have Confederate flags on their shoulders. Because most of the time in these movies, these movies usually take place in California, right? Somewhere in California. Not L.A., but like in the Valley or somewhere in California. Do we know where this was? No, I don't. But the, the Confederate flag thing really threw me off because I was like, are they are they in the South? Right. It feels like for a movie that didn't have a whole lot of attention to detail, an unnecessary detail. Because you have to make those or order those. That was a decision. Is it supposed to be Mississippi then? No, because it's not the Mississippi flag. It's just stars and bars. I thought it was supposed to be Texas. It was filmed in Texas. Amin creepily checked to see if the girl actually was wearing underwear. She wasn't. Okay, so my, my, favorite, my favorite part is that in the trivia... <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody who did the exact same thing in the opening <laughs> credit sequence johnny asks a cheerleader will you take off your panties and stand over there she replies anything for you when you slow the movie down you can see she is wearing nude color underwear i mean has a doppelganger out there gash runs the wrong way and i wrote the note is there something off with him yes robert downey jr or gash he gets it right he runs in for the touchdown i wrote the note this is the state championship 59 nothing my next note this was the state championship. <laughs> they blew everyone out. He is the best player in the in the nation, right? So stands to reason. But the other team can't fucking score? It's a powerhouse. Ashcroft. Then a highly problematic celebration with the cheerleaders <laughs> join the players in the showers. Announcer exposition. Just watch RDJ this whole time. And Leo, wow. Leo, aka RDJ, is very handsy. <laughs> He's, he is pulling girls towards the water. Trivia. He wasn't acting. <laughs> Johnny gets a phone call on the locker room payphone. It's Howard Cosell telling him he was tremendous today. How did he know? How did he follow the game? It's 1988. His hand is shaking. How did he watch the game? How did he get the phone number? Oh, my God. Howard Cosell is about to die. Because the way he was holding that phone, I was, like, I was so uncomfortable. Coach Hisler comes in. Does anybody in America like you? Huh? Who's the equivalent? Would that be if Skip Bayless called? Bob Costas. No. No. People liked Howard Cosell, didn't they? Not according to Coach. No. Joe Buck. Maybe Joe Buck. Get out of here with Costas, that hack. He wants Johnny to go to Yale. 
that powerhouse. Then as Johnny's walking out, black guy in a suit tells Johnny to sign with him. He makes stars. That's not a black guy in a suit. You know who that is? Who is that? That's Michael Scolier. He's he's a like a big time comedian and a producer. He had a pretty good career as a comedian in front of the camera. Behind the camera, though, like as a producer, he's had a, a really, really successful career. Okay. He's black, though, right? He is black. And he's wearing a suit? Which would explain why you don't know anything about him. Wow. And you think you know women's bangs. Get out of here. Johnny, 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 listen to me, man. Sign with me, I will make you a star. Now, ignore all these other guys, man. They're a bunch of athletic pimps. Trust me, athletic pimps. Look at the way they dress, man. Write your own ticket. I'll give you anything you want. Spring break. Puerto Rico. Johnny, just tell me what you want, and I'll get you two of them. What do you like? Do you like girls? I like the head. You got it. Just, you, what, what else? Ice cream, cultural pursuit? Come on. I gotta have you, Johnny. I gotta have you. TV coverage. I can offer you TV every single Saturday. TV. TV. I got what you want. Johnny. You get right in that style of offense, boy. You're gonna start right away. Right away. That's what you wanna do. Play football, right, boy? And he's not lying. They are dressed like pimps. No, he's not lying. As he walks through and starts talking on the other side of this fence to his girlfriend, these morons are acting like they don't know how to open the fence. <laughs> you got one one jackass who's trying to climb the fence. Very poorly, I might add. It's like the parents and mom and dad. Exactly. He escapes the coaches and the scouts, then gets mobbed by girls. Uma comes up and asks what it's like binking with 12-year-olds. I was not familiar with this term. I don't know what that means. And then he says, let me tell you something. These girls are going to be beautiful grown women in about two minutes. I'm sorry. What? Johnny be bad. I kind of feel like Maze may have heard the term binking before. And if he hasn't heard it, he must have done it. <laughs> if I haven't heard it, I must have done it. He must have binked some 12-year-olds before. Just out here binking, not knowing what binking is, I mean? Cop says to move away from his daughter. Johnny says, don't tell me he's pissed because I brought you home a day late. Damn. And now it was the hickey. That was damn. I, like He said that like, damn, a day late? Yo, Johnny be fucking. Johnny okay? Be fucking. Johnny be fucking. Johnny be fucking. Then she says, let's give him one. And he starts giving her a hickey in front of her dad. Badass. What is that relationship at home like? Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse later in the movie. The coaches escape. He jumps in his car, drives away with Leo. Leo's teasing him about being afraid of the dark. This is bad banter. Not only is it bad banter, but at some point they start like play fighting. Oh, they just start punching each other. But then there's like sound effects. The sound sound effects effects. (laughs) on the most minor slaps. It sounded like uh, like American Ninja. It's like Batman. It sounded like Rocky. Yes. Rocky, Batman, American Ninja. (laughs) I wrote the note. This is some of the worst writing we've ever had. Dialogue is just atrocious. He says something about a college, and then he talks about the coach's wife and her set of chihuahuas. Now the coach is singing along to Mac the Knife. Off key in his green home bar with lobster nets and lava lamps and a very petrified chihuahua. Let me just tell you, that song sucks. That's not a good song. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) All right. Jennifer Tilly's his wife. She's an all-timer. She looks awesome. She looks awesome, and it makes me respect how awesome she looks now. Oh, so you put a lot of uh, women's value into how they look as they age? I didn't say anything about her value. I just told you how she looked. She looked awesome. Hmm. But she looks even more awesome now, considering that she looked that awesome then. I'm more concerned about the person inside. 
You're more concerned about what? The person inside her. Uh, what's Jennifer Tilly? Coach like? Hisler? Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> did you drop the mic? <laughs> I did. He threw it across the room. We have a similar age gap here between Jennifer Tilly and Coach Hisler as we did in Teen Witch. And she's spouting psychobabble about cosmic threads and living nine lives simultaneously. And he just kind of, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, honey. That's when Gibson shows up at the coach's house. He invites the chancellor to stay for dinner. The chancellor looks like Greg Cody. (laughs) He does. Look it up if you don't know what Greg Cody looks like. Look it up. And then look up uh, Seymour Cassell. Jennifer Tilly says that she doesn't think that they have enough salmon patties. And he says, what the heck? Break out the fish sticks, honey. And the sparkling fruit wine. I want to throw up, man. That's so gross. Oh, what an awful combination. Gibson wants him to go to Piermont University. Tells coach to name his price. And he wants to be the coach here. Five-year, no-cut deal. Television show. All the perks. And he says that Walker will go where he wants him to go. Kid loves him. Cut to... Walker telling Gash that Coach is an asshole. Comedy! Gash says that he had some sick visions, and then we get some rambling story about befriending a psychiatrist. Johnny, I'm having all these twisted visions lately. So they went on me. Well, I was thinking about developing, like, a deep personal relationship with a psychiatrist, you know, very tight. And then one day, just while he's complimenting me on all the headway progress I'm making in the area, if my obsessive fear of torque wrenches, just cut him off mid-sentence and say, Hey, oops, why am I angry at you today? He gets all Germanic on me and goes, Well, I think that it stems, man. It stems from nothing. That's a trick question. I take his PhD off the wall and beat him about the head and shoulders with it for about an hour, and then I whisper softly in his ear, I'd like to pay for my next 20 visits in advance. It's so awkward that even Anthony Michael Hall is just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, which again leads me to believe he wasn't acting. So we think this was improvised? No, I think the cameras were rolling and Robert Downey Jr. was actually talking. Oh, it's truly unhinged. And it's around this time when I started to think that he just thinks he's in a completely different movie. I cannot understand what he's doing in this movie. Question. Earlier, you said Edward Scissorhands would come out in a couple of years. It just hit me that Edward Scissorhands was Johnny Depp. Who the fuck was in Edward Scissorhands was in this movie? Anthony Michael Hall. He's known as, like, jerk boyfriend. Got you. Okay. I was thinking Robert Downey Jr. the whole time, and I was like, yeah, he really blew up after Well, he plays the scissors. No? No? Okay. Recruiters are at Johnny's home. He turns down the army. No one to run with that, Zach. Yo, Maze is on a hot streak, man. Maze is funny. What are you talking about, hot streak? (laughs) This is what he does every episode. Have you been a part of any of these? (laughs) I love this idea that Amin just Just discovered. Shows up to Cinephobe like he has no idea that we've been doing it for over a year. He just discovered the podcast. Like Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Like Robert Downey Jr., I'm going to leave you bastards in the dust. God, I fucking hope so. Tells the Notre Dame priest that's got a mask soon. Alabama and Penn State are fighting over game results and climate. Yeah. He says, it's good to see the seasons change. And the other guy says, nobody wants to see seasons. It resonated with me, that scene. There's a crude wrestling match. One guy says the school has a buddy system, boy buddies, girl buddies, everybody. <laughs> everybody. I like that dude. Gash says he's, he's ready for college and corruption. 
And then the trench coat dude is taking pictures from a tree. Nobody wears trench coats anymore. No. I think they got a bad rap. From flashers? When do you think trench coats went from being camouflage to insanely obvious that <laughs> you're a creep? Oh, that's a great question. I would say this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the one that breaks it to you, but you might stink. You might smell bad. You're always the last one to know if you smell bad, and that sucks, right? You don't want to be the smelly person. You don't want to be the smelly kid in school. You don't want to be the smelly adult out at a bar when those things really open up again, right? So you got to improve your self-care routine, and you can do that with Hawthorne. There's a lot of stuff out there you can be like, oh, man, I don't know where to start. You start with Hawthorne. It's super easy. It's premium, tailored personal care brand that makes it easy for guys to smell and feel their best. You take a quiz, they ask you things like, hey, do you like to go out at night to a bar, to a club? Do you want to just chill at home with Netflix? What kind of body wash? What kind of skin do you have? What do you like? Do you want bar soap? What kind of shampoo are you looking for? What matters to you? Do you smoke? Do you drink? What what kind of drink? Do you like whiskey? They tailor everything to you. They boil it down from 500,000 combinations, and they find the product that is perfect for you. It's fun. I'm not really a cologne person, so I didn't get the cologne, but got the body wash, got the shampoo. You know I love my hair. I got to make sure that hair is on point, and I got the hand cream. We're washing our hands so much during this time. You got to make sure those hands are smooth and taken care of and moisturized. You do it by going to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. You take the quiz today based on the personal self-care routine. They're going to throw back products at you, and you're going to get 10% off with the promo code DINGS by going to Hawthorne.co. Promo code DINGS for 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. Promo code DINGS. You don't have to stink. Just think with Hawthorne. Family dinner. Johnny wants to make sure his mom doesn't have to work again. Then there's family banter happening. Oh, man. Johnny's granddad sells fishing lures. He's got two shithead little siblings. Why don't you ever eat at your house, Leo? Yeah, we get grandpa exposition to let us know about college offers. Johnny is drumming while watching NFL highlights. Oh, no, 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 Come no, on, no, 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 no. Yeah, first of all, Robert Downey Jr. acting his motherfucking ass off in the scene. Really, really. Why don't you ever eat at your house, Leo? Why? Well, I think it's basically because my parents hate me, and they they've accused me of carrying an ammonia-filled tentacle around with me, which of course I do not. <laughs> And I said, we don't use that term anymore, huh? Funny farm used to be a term or when I was a kid, always talk about that dude's going to get sent off to the funny farm. He just came back from the funny farm. There was a movie called funny farm. Funny farm was huge in the eighties and early nineties. And then it disappeared. Yeah. I don't, I don't think farms are a big thing anymore. Just in regular discussions, right? It's not in the lexicon anymore. Yeah, bought the farm was another one, right? Yeah. Like when someone died, they say he bought the farm. And you don't hear that anymore. We don't use loony bin anymore either. Loony bin? That's just offensive. Johnny's drumming. He's watching NFL highlights. He looks like he's about to shit his pants. A lot of people look like they're about to shit their pants in this movie. I have a very important question about this scene. Is this a montage? This is a montage. Yes. Because it's cutting. Because it's just cutting between two yep. things. But, yeah, right. But you can't expect this movie to have a real montage, right? Is he drumming for hours? Like, how long? 
See there? It's long. It is a long. I don't know. I I don't know if this is a three hour video. <laughs> I don't know if this is a twenty minute thing. Let me tell you right now. Even if he were drumming just for the amount of time of the montage, if the montage were real time, in essence, that's still a long ass montage. Yeah, it's true. Where nothing happens. Montages, as Team America World Police taught us, are so that we can show that there's a lot of progress has happened in a very short amount of time. In this case, it did the exact opposite. There was zero progress, and it took a long ass yeah, time. Because his drumming doesn't come back until the end, but it doesn't actually do anything. And then, no, never is it just to let me know he's interested in football? And also, he's got other interests, like drumming. I guess, yeah. All right. Johnny and Leo go to George's house, and uh, he's going to unground Uma. Gash steps in a pile of shit. He knocks on the door in an assholeish way. The mom says George is home, and that's where she's going to stay, and slams the door in, in their face. Chief pulls up. Yep. Says they're going to play football because he can't beat the shit out of them. And that's just because he's white. He cuffs one hand behind his back, and it's three-on-three three football. They also give them, they give Johnny and Gash a teammate called Big Cheese, who is a prisoner. Right. Perp. He's a perp. He's a perp. And this is the scene where, as it unfolds, I put the note. The only note I have for this scene is, or no, I have a couple of notes, I lied. But the first note I have for this scene is, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> because <laughs> within moments, there are cheerleaders. If you haven't seen this movie. There are spectators <laughs> and spectators there. It's on the front lawn in the middle of the night of a residential neighborhood. Uma Thurman is on the roof watching this game, cheering for her boyfriend against her dad openly. The mom is in the window. She looks out the curtain. She keeps grasping for pearls. Go, oh, heavens to Betsy. And then she closes the window. Then she opens it up again because apparently she can't keep her eyes off of the proceedings. No, but do you know what she's freaking out about the whole time? Did you catch that? No. Just that there are cheerleaders. <laughs> so the idea of cheerleaders offends her. I mean, Zach, wouldn't you be freaked out if cheerleaders just appeared out of nowhere and, and started cheering on the sideline of your front lawn? No, I would not have mean. Oh, you creep. You binking some, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know what that means, so I can't answer the question. I lied earlier when I said that there was only one football game. I forgot about this as a yeah, football game. Yeah, this is two game. football games, yep. Johnny's dominating it left-handed, and this is like the prototype for the XFL. No, no, no. First of all, I think Johnny's left-handed. Later on in the movie, he does other things with his left hand. I remember, remember that, but... Does other things. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Yes, and he is underage, Maze, so... You still oh got boy. a few months. Oh, boy. In 1988. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a time machine. The year before I was born. The other thing that happens is that before they start, they take the football and they wipe the shit that's on the bottom of Leo's sneaker. Yeah, he's still got all the shit on there. Mm-hmm. Like, he, it just completely cakes the, the front part of it. And then he throws it, you know, and you know how, like, instead of a kickoff when you play pickup football, you just throw it the guys on the side and the police chief catches it and lo and behold there's just dog shit all over his shirt now you might say to yourself i mean okay i mean that's that's kind of weird but why are you harping on this one note here's why then as the game unfolds the police chief is running and johnny tackles him and he plants his face right in the shit stain that's on the police chief's shirt. I'm talking about full, like, his whole side of his face was just, should have been just dog shit. And at that moment, I wrote, 
This is rivaling Teen Wolf 2's party scene. Pooper for the troopers. I knew Amin was going to mention that he tackled a guy in the shit spot. I knew it. Why would anyone know it? If you watched it, why wouldn't that be a huge... Yeah. I mean, like, that's not just kind of an aside. So he jukes a trooper onto his bike, and then the chief leads another trooper with a pass that takes him through the fucking windshield of the cop car. And he says, nice catch, trooper. He shatters a windshield. And it's like safety glass. <laughs> so thin. At one point, he slapped the shit out of the chief, by the way. I, I did laugh at that. He did. Oh, man, he did. He slapped the shit out of him. Johnny and Leo win. And uh, Cheese runs off with the football. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'm out of here. <sighs> Look at him go. Look at the cheese. Uh, wait a second. It's a $20 ball. It's game ball. Let's get him. Big Cheese saying, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. It just kept repeating it like a fucking person. Like, like a what? Has, like a what? Like a person. Like a person who has. What kind of person? Some, maybe some disabilities. What kind of disability? Mental variety. Oh. The mental variety. Now we're at a drive-in movie. Trenchcoat says, 1038. This movie is shit. And I wrote, same. <laughs> That's going in the intro forever. <laughs> 1038. This movie is shit. Georgia and Johnny are watching on swings. He says he's going to love and marry her. And that should cover 60 years. As she asks that now that she's homeless, what's he going to do? Okay. I started freaking out about the movie that was playing. Yes. There's some black kid singing on a, he's singing. It started last weekend. At the L. 10.38, this movie is shit. Girl, I saw your beaver flash. I'll never be the same. Oh, no. You gave me a soul kiss. Boy, it sure Direct connection to Teen Witch, and so I needed to know what this movie was. Hold on, hold on. No, you're stealing my thunder. Oh, you wanted to do this? I wanted to do this. This is the part I got so excited. I started taking so many notes. First of all, the black guy on the screen, I wrote first black guy sighting, and I was very excited. <laughs> no, Steve James. What are you talking Steve about? Steve James, come on, man. Oh, that's and right, I'm the sorry. And the man in the suit who says the pimp agents. Oh, Michael Collier, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't and, know there's another, and there's another recruiter, too, a big fat one, right? Oh, wow. A big fat one? one what? Big fat one. <laughs> big fat guy. Big old fat person. She a great big fat person. How would you describe him beyond being big and fat? Uh, he's a recruiter in the movie. That's not really a description. People don't know what a recruiter looks like. He's a black man. Ah. So anyways, he sings a song, which I'm sure Maze is going to clip all this, in the soul kiss part. And I, I did enjoy that callback, that future callback there. But like Maze... I wanted to know more. And so this is a movie called Putney Swope. It came out in 1969. Baby. It starred Dick Gregory. Baby. <laughs> it was written and directed by Robert Downey Sr. And when I found that out, no lie, my brain literally exploded out of my head and just went flying across the room, hit the wall, and smashed everywhere, much like the girl 
that sharded in Hall Pass. That's what happened to my brain. The meta commentary of Robert Downey Sr. 10.38, this movie is shit. To his own movie is incredible. It's just fantastic. All right, they're talking about getting old. She says she'll be there for him. Coach walks up on them making out and creepily says, Hiya, Johnny. Johnny Ball game. I don't mean to interrupt you. There's a lot of phony hype from schools. Best situation for you here, Mom. Why is there a swing set at the drive-in? I don't know, man. What is happening in this scene? This scene? Johnny says he's going to go to Piermont for the weekend for a trip. And then the coach leaves in his yellow pacer. Johnny tells Georgia that's the last damn school he'd ever visit. She wants to go to state together. He wants to see schools, see the country. Trenchcoat gets horny watching them make out and cars start honking at them. Let me get a Georgia fish kiss. Coach is on a bus trip and he's mad at two fat people making out. In the 80s, it was common to let fat people know not to make out because you were trying to eat. Right. That is actually a joke I've seen multiple times in the It 80s. was all over the place, yeah. I'm trying to eat here. There's a gratuitous shot of bulldog nuts going up the aisle, and he's eating a hard-boiled egg out of a paper bag. Living the life. There's also a private jet with horns on it for uh, the old Tex Horny Toads. Tex Wade is his host this weekend. It's supposed to be like TCU, right? Well, I think it's supposed to be a combination of, of like TCU and also, like, what if it was University of Texas? Yeah. Georgia says goodbye to him and says, Johnny, be good. <laughs> He said it! He said it! He said it! Coach is waiting at Piermont, and he's pissed Johnny hasn't showed up. Coach tells Gibson they sprung a math test on him, needs to make a phone call. He's having a fake conversation on the phone with Johnny about knowing he wants to come there and that he'll get him there when things are less crazy. Coach is waiting in front of the school in a yellow suit, and he gets into an altercation with a random woman. Yeah. Who's walking by, and he says, Johnny must be stroking his muskrat somewhere. To be fair. I mean, she does need to mind her own business. Yeah, like, it's clear he's not talking to her. None of it was contextually <laughs> about her, but she's nosy as fuck. How did I know that a meme would take coach's side? Got to Johnny in a horn limo driving up to an estate. There's a, uh, what is it, like a mariachi band playing? <laughs> <laughs> clip that. Please clip that. Yeah, clip that in. <laughs> Eddie, 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 it's okay. I am. <laughs> Tex Wade says that if he goes to old Tex, everything is his. The house, the trees, the lake, the women. Then a girl serving margaritas slaps Johnny as he accosts her. You slap the shit out of him. Shit, everybody drinks margaritas at old Tex. My wife says they're medicinal. Tex Wade introduced five of the most sought-after players in the country. The crowd starts singing Hail onto old Tex. Which I wrote, this is clearly something they made up, and they're all trying to remember it as they sing it after seeing it like maybe nine minutes ago. There were a couple of people in the crowd who were clearly looking off camera, yeah. way off camera, way off of where their, their viewpoint should have been, because they were clearly reading the lyrics off of cue cards. Oltex also introduces the captain of the team, Bad Breath Bannister, who is humping one girl surrounded by four or more girls. And Tex mm. says, that boy's breath would gag a maggot. And then one of the potential recruits is that hunk of Mexican Samoan man flesh. Oh, boy. Jose Popupu. <laughs> so hold on. Before we get to, to, to the, the recruits up on the stage, when he introduces him to the captain of the team, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I noticed, and it shocked the hell out of me. Whatever was left in my brain also gone out and splattered on the wall. Johnny and the captain dap up perfectly mm -hmm. <laughs> it is a perfect dap and i'm like see white people in the 80s could do it why can't y'all i thought it was aaron Rodgers at first which is a really stupid thought kind of looked like him with the mustache especially yeah but then obviously like it's 1988 it couldn't be him this party's all over the place there are people's people in suits and dresses there are people in bathing suits 
There's no rhyme or reason to either. Old Tex's wife. She's sweet on Johnny. Oh, she's drinking that drink like she is sucking a cock. There's no other in- insinuation <sighs> going aggressive. on. Aggressive. Uh, one of the players is talking with the other guy. Says he wants Chinese. He's not talking about food. He said he'd only go there if he got two Chinese girls. That's when Tex brings over two Chinese women and says, "Yo, Cliff, this is Poon Tang and Fu Yang." Hoss. Problematic. Then there's a little person wearing a sombrero with chips <laughs> yeah, and guac no, hold on, on it. Hold on, 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 hold on. We gotta set the scene. So, two Chinese girls come up. The guy says the problematic names. My man walks away with them, and the girl starts talking, and she's got the thickest. Yeah, she's got a real southern accent. Real thick Texas accent, right? ADR, baby. Now, the whole time, the other recruits are all gathered around. There's a woman who's, like, making tortillas, right? And then there is what looks like a table, like a a high-top table with a sombrero on the top, and in the middle of the sombrero is, like, some salsa, and around the rim the brim of sombrero are chips everyone has just been taking chips and eating guac and salsa and stuff like that and at that moment i wasn't paying attention because i was writing i was typing poon tang and fu yang problematic and i was like why is the table moving and it turns out it's a little person who is paid to wear this sombrero so that people can eat chips from the top of it and my question to you guys is have you ever been anywhere where there was a little person who was employed and you kind of felt really not clean because this little person was clearly employed simply because they are a little person? No, but I'm interested in hearing your story. Yes, you could tell that's where that was going. There was a bar in Scottsdale. I don't think it's open anymore. But it was, you went into the bar and it was a regular bar. And then at the end of the bar, the bar itself gets super low. I mean, like knee high. Behind that bar was a little person bartender. And I remember going in there with some friends from grad school. Like, oh, this place is great. It's one of the places where they have like a wheel of fortune. You spin it and it tells you what shot you're going to get and all that stuff. And I remember just looking at the little person and I said, I got to go. I can't be here. Like, I just felt so uncomfortable that this was like exploitation of the P.T. Barnum variety. Like, I didn't even think it could exist in the 21st century. But nope, there it is. Little person at a bar as the bartender at a little bar. Goodness. Maze? Oh, I got nothing on that. I, but is this the most offensive scene in the movie? Like, the, the two-hander of the, the yeah. Chinese girls and the little person? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a lot. And then Johnny... And he has a conversation with him. Johnny knows him. He's chatting this dude up? But Johnny knows him. It's not like he's just met. Like, Johnny knows this dude. How? So is he just at all these recruitment parties? How? He calls him Ralph, and this dude is talking about the stock market. He asks him, how's the wife? And it's just fair. And I thought that was pretty good dialogue, to be honest. <laughs> it reminded me of like when uh, in Lawnmower Man, when I was, how's your dad doing? He's like, still like shit. Like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Worse than ever. <laughs> Ad lib that fucking shit. But then the other thing is, he says to him, are you still picking pockets? He asks him that. It's the David Stern, do you still beat your wife, right? It's a legal kind of gambit that they use. Because it's a catch-22, right? If you say yes, obviously you still beat your wife. If you say no, it implies you beat your wife at one point, but you don't do it anymore. So by asking him, do you still pick pockets? There is no right answer, which is a kind of a very offensive 
short joke. Like the idea is that he can put his hand in people's pockets they wouldn't notice because he's so little. Now this woman, Texas wife, Luanda, is sending Johnny some energy. She's going to take him. Like a Petey Pablo lyric. <sighs> She's taking him to practice to show why they called him the horny toads. There's supposed to be like a whole cow on a barbecue spit in the back. And at one point, Tex is just back there polishing it with like a mop. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> it's just like a piece of wood that's supposed to be a cow. When they get out of the limo, she's wiping her mouth like she was sucking his dick. One thousand percent. The driver says if he's not interested in her, he may know someone a little more his speed, then slaps him on the ass. I like that. This is a full service university. Yeah. He'd be stupid not to go to old Tex. I like that they didn't shame. Like, hey, man, maybe yeah. that's what you're into. Progressive? Is this movie progressive and problematic at the same time? Ahead of its time, Zach. Johnny is drunk, and she walks him to a stage on the football field with a table. She starts taking her clothes off. She's gross, by the way. Tex is with some other guys talking about how they spend $20,000 a month on women to sneak into the locker room at halftime. That's just on the football team. They fucking halftime? Then my next note is... Is dot, 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 she raping him? He's got a point with the word thank you, saying thank you all the time to get out of stuff. Yeah. And I said, I think I'm going to start doing that. I love his horny mutterings while she's stripping. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. No. Yes. Oh, ouch. Oh, boink. Thank you so much. He is killing. The whole scene, he's killing. They put it on the scoreboard to see it clear, but it actually makes it harder to see somehow. Dude, he just <laughs> clicks the remote. Let me bring that up on the big screen. <laughs> but Zach's right. It makes it way harder to make out. It, way harder. It did not bring it closer at all. Tech sees that it's his wife with Johnny. Johnny runs away and she's chasing him. Now he's walking back. Don't leave, Johnny. I can do better. And he runs away and he says, this was not a library. And I laughed. Put those tits away. She's walking back and the recruits pull up in a car. They go to the Armadillo Country Strip Club. So this is the medical school. White strip clubs are trash. Fight me. Cowboy strip clubs are trash. For sure. I don't like any strip club. You don't like any... Zach, I'm not a strip club a guy. Strip I don't club. like paying been, for that for attention. Have you, I'd been no, just, have you been to a black strip club? I have. Where? Atlanta. Where? I don't know which one. Somewhere in Atlanta. Magic City? I, it was not Magic City. Nikki's? I don't I don't know. Gentleman's Club. I don't know. Gold Club. It was not Gold Club, I would remember that. Just keep naming strip clubs until Blue Flame. <laughs> I'm not a strip Body club. Body tap. Guy. I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm not a strip Strokers. club. Guy. This is the weirdest Yelp search ever. It's not a Yelp search. It's called my brain. It's called my memories. <laughs> Johnny keeps yelling oh no whenever a woman is taking her clothes off on stage. You notice that? Oh, ouch. Maybe he does have a different speed. Now they drive to a gas station. Gas attendant asks Johnny if he's going to play at Old Tex. He says, maybe. This guy was going to play there, but then he hurt his knee and they took his scholarship away. He dropped out and got this job, but it was a job that they gave him, the university got for him. So I was sobered by this moment of realization that Johnny has talking to a fallen star. And so I was inspired to look this guy up. His name is Tim Rosovich. Yes. He was a linebacker at USC, played six seasons in the NFL, and he was Tom Selleck's college roommate. I realized far too late in the scene that this was supposed to be like a 
really somber, like, hey, man, like, this movie is fun and games, but this is what it's really about. Shit's real, I mean. You didn't get that note from Bad Breath Bannister eating bait from a bait vending machine and calling it Texas Sushi? That's Texas Sushi, boy! That's Texas Sushi, boy! That's Texas Sushi, boy! Johnny returns home, and recruiters are still there. They haven't changed their clothes, by the way. I checked that. We can see the attendant clearly limping. Like, yeah, <laughs> super clearly, hard. Clearly limping. <laughs> You know what? You know what he did there? He acted his ass off. That is physical acting right there. He lies to his mom about seeing the campus. Someone ordered 10,000 lures from grandpa. Wild-eyed gobblers or whatever they're called. Fucking stupid-ass grandpa, dude. Wild-eyed gibblers. He's all excited. I call them them wild-eyed gobblers. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get at Gold, Gold City or whatever the fuck strip club you went to. Strokers. (laughs) Strokers. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny goes grocery shopping. Georgia works at the butcher there. She is breaking down this chicken real oh, poorly. Yeah, she's not great at No technique. Job. Are there kids that work at butcher shops? Yeah, we don't hire 17-year-old girls to work at a butcher shop. Maybe in Texas, though. That doesn't seem right. She asked how the girls were. He says very short, very fat, weird looking. No, 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 no. He says, how are the girls? Hmm? And I wrote, good job, Johnny. Fine time. <laughs> yep. Georgia asks what her name was. He says Lawanda, Texas wife. Huh? <laughs> Lies about their dinner. She calls him an asshole and throws chicken at him. This boy girl shit hurts, man. It does. That's not good customer service. She should get fired for that, honestly. That's not good dialogue either. This boy girl shit hurts. Yeah, because he didn't say it to anybody. He just said it to himself. Gash says the lure sale is a con. Johnny and Gash go to the barber. Coach is there for some reason, hiding. He's already there with the towel over his head. (laughs) He's mad Johnny didn't visit Piermont. Gash says he's not going there. He can go goose himself. I don't think Robert looked at the script at all. The coach says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure you do the right thing. Then I think Michael, he raised his eyebrow and I wrote sexual tension. Boy, I mean, it was thick in that room right there. Whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. Coach says, if I want any shit out of you, Leo, I'll squeeze your head. And then RDJ makes a crazy noise and flips him off by pointing his middle finger straight at him with his other fingers curled and his palm up. Yeah. Yeah. This is the weirdest flip off I've ever seen. Acting his ass off. Grandpa finds out his lures don't sail. Whatever the fuck, the bait shop or whatever it is. We hear a car crash, but we don't see a car crash. I don't know. What was the point of the car crash? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Because it's just him getting out of his car. We're at Elroy's fishing hole, and this old man at the bait shop has the biggest hat I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Easily the biggest hat. Made Pharrell's hat look like a yarmulke. (laughs) Apparently, (laughs) the owner of the lure shop will cut off Grandpa's credit there if Johnny doesn't go to Piermont. How much credit does Grandpa have at the lure shop? I don't know. Like, what What kind of debt is Grandpa Exposition in? Where's Dad? Dad's long gone, man. Dad's been gone. This is Mom's dad, the fucking deadbeat idiot who's making lures on credit? I think so. Coach is now threatening him. Johnny tells Gash that they're going to mess with Coach for messing with his family. They go to the coach's house. They say he needs help with his English grade. He says he can help him with that. Then... The doorbell rings. He goes to get the door. It's 10 pizzas for Hitler. 18 pizzas, and the delivery boy is John Hawks. Remember him from Deadwood, Eastbound and Down, Winter's Bone, lots of stuff. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, yes, okay, I remember him now. This is his 
fourth movie ever. $283 the guy owes him for 18 pizzas in 1988. Coach asks if he likes pizza. Then he slams pizza in the face of the delivery guy. Now, there's an elephant in the backyard for some reason. Coach goes up to the elephant, says, get my shotgun to Jennifer Tilly, then starts forearming the elephant in the stomach. Forearming? I thought he was punting it. The elephant is brought in by Hare Krishnas. Yes. And the pizza that he mashed into his face was unsliced. Then there's a stripper at Jennifer Tilly's Tupperware party. He's already there! Someone busts a water pipe outside in the front lawn. The Hare Krishnas are dancing with the pizza guy in the living room. An exterminator comes there for roaches. Coach grabs the pesticides and sprays everybody in the living room. What the, the stripper, is- the pizza boys, the Hare Krishnas, the Tupperware ladies. And now it's a phone party. We're in Ibiza. What in the ever-loving fuck just happened? I was, yeah. That's how you prank someone, man. Prank Sinatra. Prank Williams. Prank Thomas, big hurt. Prank Nicolina. Nick, oh, damn. <laughs> Nilakina. God, I mean, do you even watch the games? Yeah, yeah. Bring it up with Lawrence Prank. Finally, there's a chicken on the couch. Now Johnny is driving in the country, pulls up to another campus. He meets with Coach Ned Sanders, a.k.a. Steve James. American Ninja. He puts his gum on the back of the rearview mirror. Yeah, I don't understand that. He says that old text made him a great deal, but he wants to play for state. Coach Sanders says they don't give out deals other than scholarships. Johnny wants cash, cars, apartments, money, hookups, benefits. He wants cash and money. It reminds me of the great Jay-Z DMX song, Money Cash Hose. I always used to wonder, wait a second. <laughs> is there a difference between item A and item B on this list? Also, American Ninja is about to get fired. As soon as he gave that speech, you're like, buddy, you better pack your shit up because you know these motherfuckers are not going to be out here with a black coach who mm. only mm. is only going to do it clean. Uma's wearing long johns? Is she wearing <laughs> old west style long johns is my note. I wasn't really paying attention at first as it switched scenes. So I thought she was naked because they're kind of nude colored. The editing in this movie. Did you have to pause and take a picture? I looked, I glanced at the movie just to look up to see where we were, glanced back down at my computer, and then, like, I double-take because I was like, oh, fuck, is she naked? Debut role? The editing in this movie is so horrendous. I mean, it's just like, it just jumps. It was directed by an editor. (laughs) That's the stunning thing, right? And a successful editor at that. Johnny's hiding in her bed he isn't speaking through most of the scene. He gives her a rose and a lamp. She puts her feet in his face, says he was oh, lobotomized, God. and is behaving Ooh. like a complete son of a bitch. And the door is wide open this whole time. Yeah, instant dump. You put your feet in my face. I'm out of there. Flowers that fester smell far worse than weeds. That means you stink. Yeah, but it was sweet. And she's still sweet on him. He says, look, cut in 10 minutes, they start going at it. With the door wide open, as you mentioned. Now Leo and Johnny are arguing about where they're going. He wants old text. Johnny wants state. They play fight. They just come out the door punching each other. It just cuts from him about to fuck Uma Thurman to him fucking up Robert Downey Jr. I mean, he's fucking him up. There is a lot of like, ha I could kill myself at any time joking with physical comedy from Leo here. Oh, he's putting that toy dart gun in his mouth. He's deep throating that fucking thing. And then it just stays there. About to shoot that dart into his lung. I'll do it. He's trying to hit that dangly thing in the back of his throat. Uvula. It's 
some topical reference. Oh. Wet ass pussy. Now they go to California to visit UCC, which I think is just supposed to be USC, but they don't have the rights. Obligatory Hollywood sign B-roll. They welcome him with a giant cheerleader squad and a convertible. John Pankow is the driver. You might remember him as Ira from Mad About You. Yeah, he looked super familiar, but then when I looked at his resume, the only thing that stuck out was Mad About You. But he's got like that weird forehead hairline combo. I've always confused him with the stand-up comedian Richard Jenny, who I think killed himself like 15 years ago. There's never been a more Two Americas moment than you might remember him from Mad About You. <laughs> I put that in just for you. Holy fuck. Also, Richard Jenny, he's really funny. Or he was. Well, not anymore. That's kind of kind of a bore. He killed. Yeah. No, he didn't. He died on stage. Actually, it was in his bedroom. Bedroom's a stage for some of us, Zach. Yeah. He made... Well, this is dark. We don't need the story of how he killed himself. Never mind. I'm going to move on. <laughs> when facts get in the way of a good story. I just... Because I was like looking when it up... When Zach gets in the way of a good story. I was looking it up and then I read the story about when he killed himself. And it's, it's really... I mean, I mean, not only because he killed himself, but it's very... It's just it's a tough day. Zach was watching this movie and he paused to go on a rabbit hole about how Richard I did. killed himself. I would say about 20 minutes. <laughs> Conservatively, 20 minutes. Zach, in the middle of the night, the only <laughs> light is the glow from his laptop. On Richard Jenny's him. Wikipedia page. <laughs> Squinting in horror. <laughs> All right. Uh, Johnny says he's there to meet the money man. Well, John Pankow is the money man. Now we're in a Jim McMahon commercial for Adidas. It's so insanely 80s. It's really 80s. Johnny meets Jim. He's kind of starstruck. Jim is supposed to be a UCC alum, but uh, he went to BYU in real life, which feels like the opposite of what they're displaying here. Either I wear Adidas or I wear nothing. Almost nothing. And there's a huge black sensor bar over his dick and they slap the Adidas logo on it. Johnny's given an Adidas jacket, trench coat. Without the trench coat this time, says 145. Walker receives jacket from Landers. Out. That's the impropriety he caught him on. That's what I love. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then he got a free jacket. He's fucking everywhere, by the way. Like, he is integrated into the set of that commercial shoot. He know, Like, that is the greatest investigator of all time. Johnny thinks that Jim's hair looks just like his. Did it look at all similar no. to you guys? I mean, probably to a mean, but no. It did. <laughs> Lou tells Johnny he takes 10% of the action. And then they're in front of a wall that has three neon signs. One says pharmacy, one says pain relievers, and one says steroids. Steroids! It's set up like an ice cream fountain. I kind of want that steroids neon sign, <laughs> being honest. We use only the finest steroids available. Yeah, they're just like lab technicians everywhere pharmacists it's sarah the fit is the facilities have tanning beds and a designated pisser so everyone can pass their drug tests and trench coats hiding in there as one of the lab assistants and by the way johnny knows the pisser yeah yeah johnny knows everybody man he makes some small talk with the dude i'm like how do y'all know each other he knows people at the grocery store too i like was kind of paying attention to this i mean he is the number one recruit in the country don't bruise those tomatoes Amber. I thought he was talking about something else. I did too. Tension? Need to reinforce how bad the dubbing and ADR in this movie is. It's so atrociously bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Two black players are using the tanning booths. Yeah. I mean, can black people tan? What? Some do, apparently, but not black like that. Like the light-skinned ones. Like dark-skinned well, Maze, Maze, black players. Maze, were- sit, <laughs> sit this one out, Maze. <laughs> Maze, I want to... I, 
I want to save you. I want to save you here. Just let me, let me say black players, black people like me, my complexion and darker do not go to tanning salons. No. And let's just leave it at that. No need you to describe dark skin. <laughs> Text my shows up to grandpa's house. Yo, grandpa is so hurt to find out nobody oh, gives a man. fuck about his gobblers. Yeah. Oh, my just God. stupid fuck, dude. Gobblers. Fuck grandpa. Johnny is dressed like Prince when he gets back home. That's generous. Yeah, yeah, okay. A prince knockoff. I said he was dressed like Aladdin. Aladdin was a prince. Aladdin was a prince. <laughs> fuck you with me. Well, not really. He was a he was a street rat, a facade of a prince. But he get prince by the end, right? Because he married. Uh, was she a sultan? I guess we don't get to see the UCC party. Not enough money in the budget for that. No, no, man, <laughs> can't do that. They pull up to Georgia's place. Johnny gets dropped off there. Chief in Georgia, clown his clothes, and now he's walking through the neighborhood like Tobey Maguire in Spider Man Three. You kind of look like a combo. Liberace meets Prince's mom. Oh. The brother tells Johnny, Johnny's mom, that he's lost his mind. Mom wants to know what happened to him. Their lure's fucking everywhere in that house now because they can't ship him out. She asks about his education. He says, to, he says, please step off with that. Step off? Step off, mom. I'm going to start using step off more, I think. Nice. I'm going to start using thank you more. He says that he has a much better deal at UCC. Everybody is mad at him. Grandpa says that he wanted to sell his lures, not his grandson message randy his shithead little brother is gonna go do his homework and take a reality break my next note what could possibly happen in the final 15 minutes of this movie that would make it interesting (laughs) you asked for it i did i did gash says to give up football and become a professional waiter johnny i had a deep revelatory vision and i think you should drop this whole ridiculous college ball thing do what become a professional waiter like develop a reputation as a bistro's most courteous mm-hmm. server. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're waiting for one night when the manager's relatives come in. Mm-hmm. You seat them, you serve them, you wine them, you dine them, you read them the specials. Right. You take the last of their orders, right. and then you say, actually, it's the fish or nothing! <laughs> of course, at this point, they're all jamming for the door like wild. You tackle down around the ankles, you get them down on the ground, you pound them in the spine, you say, what are you trying to stiff me on the gratuity, you fop? You see is your only move. You think is your ever most Then a car <laughs> with three girls pulls up and says, Excuse me, we're new in town and we've never had sex before. Would you give us a hand? Nothing untoward about that. That old charade. Now they're at a motel. Gash is in bed with two of the girls. I started dating this Nancy girl specifically because she was a virgin. Milliseconds before initial penetration, I just, just shot up in bed like a reverse domino. And I just said, hey, 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 there'll be none of this. What kind of boy do you think I am? I will hardly pop you without having met your father. Get him on the horn. Johnny's just sitting over there at the table spewing existential bullshit to this third girl. The things that make life worth so much and so worthwhile are are things that we have to look up at a lot of the time it's clouds it's stars children and then we just keep cutting back and forth and then rdj has got his legs fully splayed yeah he's losing clothes each time they cut back to him by the way where is the can i have to take an awful putrid asparagus piss he says down the hall to the left 
Well, that just really ticked me off. So I got up and I said, just a goddamn minute, that won't do. I run right up to the family drapes and proceed to write my surname on them in urine. Well, Mom bolts out of the lazy boy chair and comes over and delivers me a, a flurry, flurry of slaps. So I retaliate with a series of blows to her midriff and midsection that I usually reserve only for those times when I actually do see red. As he's talking about being a winner, we hear Gash in the background say, and then I snapped her spine. I don't know if you caught that. Johnny admits he's been <laughs> acting crazy. Then we cut back to Gash. He has a girl in a full Nelson. The other girl says to let her go. It's been an hour. Been she an hour. slaps him. He slaps her back. <laughs> then they make out. out. What the fuck? <laughs> it's not even the... It's better. Johnny says love is a verb. He'd like to use it more. Much like a meme would like to use thank you more. The girl says, are we going to have sex or not? Police pull up to the motel. The girls, all topless now, start screaming rape over and over. And by the way, gratuitous tit shot. I mean, there's some titties in this shot. Because they were never out before this. I made the uh, observation that titties in the 80s, better. Okay. They were just better in the 80s movies. I mean, like those are amazing tits. And I would not have guessed that looking at those girls. They're kind of homely looking. The third girl that was talking to Johnny at the table. I'm like, why is this the girl in the movie? And then she took her weird jumpsuit off. I was like, Oh, okay. I get it. I'm saying like, it, it is pretty staggering where we are as a, as right. a, as a society now. Now they're in jail. RDJ is sweating profusely. Oh my God. He is sweating so much. Coke <laughs> is starting to wear off. He knows Lou Landers and that's, and that he can get them out. He admits that it was Lou that bought him a new Jeep. UCC got it for him to try to get Johnny to go to their school. Then Coach Hissler walks in and says this is awful in a mocking tone. Gash asks if uh, the term bail us out means anything to him. And Coach says that Johnny is their bail. Just needs to sign with Piermont. Otherwise, boys, you're looking at 20 years in the slammer with all the butt pirates. And they say they're waiting for you up there, Johnny. Want to give you a little hiney poke up there. Coach, I know I'm a man, okay? My asshole's exit only, and we really didn't do anything wrong. You want sympathy, Leo? You look between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. Don't drop the soap, boys. Now a reporter is telling us some exposition about signing day. No place has more media coverage than Ashcroft High School. Johnny arrives to sign his letter of intent. Coach Hissler announces he and Johnny will be together for four more years at Piermont. Says John chose to be with him. They also signed the guys from the old text party. And now all those guys come out and now it's time for Johnny to speak. Grandpa looks really concerned. Yeah, Grandpa looks like he's having a stroke. He says he acted like an idiot during recruitment, embarrassed his mother, family, girlfriend, and friends, and mostly himself. He thought he had something, and he lost it. Just because I know how to uh, remember to throw a ball doesn't mean uh, I should forget my life for anyone else's. This is what it takes to play college football. He doesn't want to play it at all. Shouldn't forget his life or anyone else's. He's not signing any letters to any schools. Now that's reality. All those other guys want out of Piermont. Trenchcoat then comes up and introduces himself as NCAA recruitment investigator. He's calling for an investigation of UCC, Old Tex, and Piermont. Gibson says they didn't do anything wrong. You call framing a kid for rape not wrong? Recruiters are still after Johnny. Lou accidentally punches one of the big recruiters. <laughs> okay, so this is the second movie... Where a stray punch has just hit a black man in the face. 
I think it was Showgirls. Oh, yeah, Showgirls for sure. And then this guy suplexes Landers into the crowd of reporters and yells, no picture. Big brawl breaks out. Georgia calls over Johnny. Grandpa hits Coach Hissler with a chair. There's a ball guy repeatedly kicking people in the dick. That's a guy that wanted to give him ice cream. Johnny walks into Coach Sanders' office at State, says he wants an education. And he likes Johnny's character. He's going to play ball there. Johnny B. Good starts playing, drives off with Leo and Georgia. Then there's more drumming and more NFL highlights as the credits roll. Howard Cosell announcing on the results of the recruitment scandal. Tex Wade and Boosters moving on to the basketball season. Lou Landers has been barred for life. Leo loses his Jeep. Coach Hissler is in jail. Then the 80s version by Judas Priest of Johnny B. Good starts playing. And I wrote, I'm offended. <laughs> I didn't know you could you get offended. offended. <laughs> and then, my last note, credits roll. And is this just that they paid for NFL highlights and they wanted to get their money's worth? Because it's a lot of fucking highlights. And it's highlights of all uh, John Elway. It's a lot of John Elway. There's a little Joe Montana in there. There's some Eagles shit. But they never mention John Elway's my favorite player or anything like that. It's just... I think they thought it was just going to be random like highlights, that, but it was the same highlights. Movie's over. No Tony Medley, obviously. How do you guys feels today? Let me tell you, feels is a better way to be. Our premium CBD will keep your head clear and help you feel your best. It reduces anxiety. It reduces pain. It reduces sleeplessness. Feels naturally helps reduce stress. Anxiety, pain, sleeplessness, places a few drops under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. Are you new to CBD? Well, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide you through the experience. Me personally, had a couple of restless nights during this whole pandemic, wasn't sleeping great, did a couple of Feels uh, the next day, boom, out like a light that night. You know, get a little joint pain because I'm getting up there in age, a little Feels CBD under the tongue, boom, joint pain gone greatly reduced it's so easy to use it's so good for you it's just the better way to do your life right now it will naturally help you feel better and there's no high there's no hangover there's no addiction you can join the feels community get the feels delivered to your door every single month you'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time become a member and get 50 percent off your first order 50% 50% off. It has me feeling my very best every day and it helped you too. 50% off your first order with free shipping by going to feels.com slash ding. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash ding. Become a member. 50% off taken automatically off your first order with the free shipping. That's feels.com slash ding. Do we have more trivia? From a 1988 Rolling Stone article titled Robert Downey Jr.'s Weird Science of Acting by Lynn Hirschberg. Downey will have to live with his latest mistake in career judgment, Johnny B. Good, which was released to disastrous reviews and almost complete audience lack of interest. I'm not sure I've been in a real good movie, says Downey, still bobbing in the pool. It'd be nice to try that. I'd like, you know, to be in one of those films where at the end you go, yeah. They hated me in Johnny B. Good. The Los Angeles Times crucified me. They said I sounded like Pee Wee Herman emerging from a coma. Jesus. I had stopped returning my fan mail, but now I'm going to start again. Now that Johnny B. Good came out and no one cares about me. So I had to go look up the review, which is by Michael Wilmington. You quoted it earlier. 
He says, Robert Downey Jr. straying disastrously into Robin Williams' territory, burbles out a string of ludicrous improvisations that sound like Pee Wee Herman emerging from a coma. He also said about the other star, now, Paul is an amusing actor at times, but here, even packing 30 extra pounds, he looks no more like a star high school quarterback than Eric Dickerson looks like Spike Lee. You can name hundreds of better choices. Hunts Hall. Annie Hall. Maybe even the Albert Hall. Shout out to Albert Hall, though. In a 1988 interview for The New Breed, a book on young actors, and his family, said Downey Jr., there was always a lot of pot and coke around. Drugs became an emotional bond. When my dad and I would do drugs together, explained Downey, it was like him trying to express his love for me in the only way he knew how. Eventually, Downey saw no reason not to spend every night out getting drunk, making a thousand phone calls in pursuit of drugs. That is dark. Not as dark, though, as my deep dive on Richard Jenny's suicide. Golden Dumpster Golden nominees. Dumpster. Jesus, man. Coach Hisler, Coach Hitler, Robert Downey Jr., whatever movie he thought he was in. <laughs> the drive-in movie, Putney Swope. 1053, this movie is shit, just that line alone. Old Tex himself, the drunk, swaggering director of the Old Tex Horny Toads. The little person with the chips and guac hat. Oh, my God. The drumming and crushing tape montage? Yeah. Pizza delivery for Hitler and that entire scene. That stupid fuck grandpa and his lures and framing your star player for rape. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the little person. Because I just didn't see it coming. And then he walks. I'm like, what's going on here? And he's having a full on conversation with him. (laughs) I'm going to go with the football game that uh, breaks out on the front lawn. Oh, no. (laughs) The the scene that is only rivaled by the party in Teen Wolf 2. (laughs) The number of things that have you just going, what the fuck is going on here? Maze? It's Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. This was one of the most what-the-fuck memorable performances we've had on Cinephobe. And it just has opened up a whole new window for me. I, I'm going to need to watch more Robert Downey Jr. 80s movies and try to figure out what the fuck happened. Even though I know the answer is just cocaine. All right, Mace. You picked it. Phobe or file? I was fully prepared oh to phobe this movie. Oh I came into this movie not really sure what we were going to get. I thought maybe it was going to be you know more about like... Oh, Johnny's a really good football player, and we're going to watch a bunch of shitty football games where Anthony Michael Hall can't throw a football because he's not athletic. But no, we got that over in the first scene. We won the state championship 52 to nothing. And then we launched into this raunchy 80s he got game that just continued to deliver these scenes that were more and more problematic. And Robert Downey Jr. just redefining the sidekick role. It's a file. Wow. <laughs> wow. I would watch this shit again. I mean. Jesus Christ. No, Zach, you go. Me? Oh, man. I kind of feel like I would watch it again. If it was on. Oh if God. it was on. I feel like. Oh I, I'm trying to I'm trying to be real honest about this. Of like, there are times where I was actively bewildered. Actively bewildered. Like, just not... I, I still don't really know what happened in the movie. That's the name of the sequel, <laughs> Actively Bewildered. The rape setup scene? 
Hey, we're new in town and we've never had sex before. <laughs> Let me tell you, when they said Don't that, the dames. when Don't they the dames. pulled up and said, hey, we're new in town, we've never had sex before, could you give us a hand with that? I guffawed as loud as I've ever guffawed. Just burst out laughing. It's not good. I don't know what the fuck RDJ was on. Anthony Michael Hall is really not a good actor. No. The supporting characters are not great. But there's something alluring about this movie. I kind of think this is what this podcast was made for. was movies like this. (laughs) And so I'm going to file it in bewilderment. Jesus Christ. I mean? I wanted Zach to go first. So that I could go the opposite of whatever Zach said. I just wanted to hate. I wanted Zach to phobe it so I could file it just as a massive middle finger. And then Zach filed it, which leads me to this weird sweep place it, where sweep I it, you to fucking coward. Really, Do you remember earlier in this podcast? <laughs> no, I, I started to really think about like, oh my God, he filed it. Now I got to phobe it. And then I was like, wait, do I hate this movie? <laughs> a means hand is being, he's trying to move it to the phone. I'm trying, but you know what, man? I think we got our first triple file 0% movie because I'm filing it. Get those bros out. Oh, man. Damn. I did not think I was going to file this thing 10 minutes in. I didn't think I was going to file this thing five minutes ago. <laughs> Like five minutes ago, when we were like, I was like, when you started doing uh, Golden Dumpster, I was like, okay, so the phobe file coming out. I need Zach to go first so that he can phobe us. So then I could just like, ah, guess what, motherfucker, I file it or whatever. You know, like I was going to do it out of spite. Yeah. But then like when you filed it, I was like, I kind of did enjoy yeah. it though. Like I, I wasn't bored no. at any point in no. this movie. It's not boring. Uh, like it's not good, but it's not boring. Oh, it's great. It's really, really great. And by the way, I think Anthony Michael Hall did an all right job. Maze has had four sweeps, four file sweeps. Low key. Wow. During the rental wars. Wow. <laughs> I'm cleaning up on picks here. Wow. Wow. I still can't believe a mean phobe lawnmower man. That was a travesty. He's got to want that one back. Lawnmower man it dragged at times in a way that this movie did. Well, this movie was only 91 minutes. Yeah, if that. <laughs> I didn't even think it was that long. <laughs> and it was like 10 minutes of drumming yeah. and watching. If you take NFL out the highlights. NFL highlights reel, then it's like it's a good 19 minutes movie. Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade. I mean, what's the what's the next pick? What do you got? Well, I'm at a crossroads here. Are we watching Crossroads? <laughs> <laughs> Literally at crossroads. <laughs> On the one hand, I have my revenge list in front of me. It is deep and it is spectacular. On the other hand, I feel like the cinephobe gods gave us Johnny V. Good. This awful movie for us to somehow find common ground on in a way that we haven't found common ground since the breakup. You're welcome. I can either 
lean into this, this moment of goodwill, or I can continue my war. I thought he was about to pick goodwill hunting. Zach, again, I offer you a truce. <laughs> you can have whatever truce you want. I know what I'm picking next. Do you accept or reject the truth, Zach? I mean, Maze, again, I don't want to create extra work for you. But there was that moment where Amin was like, I'm bringing the, you know, he basically did the KG. I'm packing up the nines. I'm loading up the nines. I got my grenade launcher, some grenades, you know, did that whole thing. And then you see how quickly he bowed out of it, which I understand. I wouldn't want to wage this war against me either. And I'm not trying to be a dick about it. But I do think that clip is worth putting in there if if need be. But I mean, this isn't about me. This is about your pick. So you pick with your heart. Good. I, okay. My heart says Deuce Bigelow, European Jiggler. <laughs> you motherfucker. Okay. That's twice I extended an olive branch. I've never seen it. We're doing another sequel without doing the first one. That's twice. <laughs> that's twice I've extended an I'm olive not- branch. And twice Zach has slapped it away and made a big production out of it. And so we go back into the revenge list. It was ready. I had it cocked and loaded. Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. Yes, it's the sequel. 